You now tuned in to the Gunk Town Podcast. I'm your boy Doug B. We ain't got nothing to talk about, but we got something to talk about. Let's go. Good people, good people, good people. Welcome back to the Gump Town Podcast, episode 22. I'm your boy, Doug B. If you tuned in to this podcast, thank you for your time and your attention. I really appreciate you giving this podcast a shot. Today's guest, I met this gentleman back at the Alabama State University in fall 2007. Shortly thereafter, we became frat brothers. He went on to graduate from the Alabama State University with a degree in communications. He is the founder and owner of Duncan Kirkwood Consulting LLC, I'm excited for this conversation, and I'm pretty sure you all will be inspired by his story. Let's give a warm Gumptown round of applause for Duncan Kirkwood. <laughs> Duncan, how's it going, bro? Man, it's going good, going good. That's good, man. That's good. First things first, I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to chop it up with me for a few minutes. I really appreciate it. Man, no problem, Doug. I'm happy to be here. I love the work that you're doing. And yeah, it's an honor for me for you to you know reach out and, and ask me to be on here. So I'm, I'm ready to chop it up with you and hopefully we can inspire somebody out there. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. So for the people who don't know who Duncan Kirkwood is, tell them your story, where you're from and how you got to where you are now. Man, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I went, I'm from Buffalo, New York. I went to college down in Alabama, uh, Alabama State University. After my first two colleges that I, I reached out to and I applied to rejected me here in New York. Um, my third choice, Alabama State accepted me, took a chance on me. And it really was one of the best things that could have ever happened. Uh, I learned the other colleges were close to home. So if I had gone there, I'd have been home every weekend. Mom, wash my clothes. Dad can have some money. Mom, can you make me some food? But since I went from Buffalo to Alabama, I had to grow up. You know, I had to learn how to take care of myself, make new friends, uh, and I thrived. You know, it was an incredible experience uh, to go there. So then in college, um, my first year, I wanted to pledge a fraternity. Oh, well, yeah, my second semester, I wanted to pledge this fraternity. And then one of the members said, what's your GPA? And I said, a 2.4. And he said, it ain't good enough. Come back with a 3.0 and talk to me. And he walked away. And then so that, I took it as a challenge. I, you know, I felt like he was saying, being average ain't good enough. Being mediocre ain't good enough. So I took it as a challenge and got my grades up that semester, retook some courses that summer. And then that next year, I ended up getting a GPA, the 3.1, and then I was able to pledge. But the blessing was that fast forward, when I was a junior becoming a senior, I wanted to run for student government president. Just so y'all know, it's like student council, but in college, it's called like student government. And they get free tuition and free room and board. And I was taking out loans to pay for school. So... I was like, man, I want to run, right? Because me and my family, we, you know, came from a low-income neighborhood. We couldn't afford it. So we borrowing money, hand over fist, trying to, you know, pay for tuition. Uh, but the requirement to run for student government president is you got to have at least a 3.0. So because that fraternity member, Lindsay, his name was Lindsay McAdory, because he rejected me when I was a freshman, because he said what I was doing wasn't good enough as a freshman, it hurt. It was embarrassing, but it was actually the greatest thing that happened to me at college because it forced me to get my grades up, change my study habits. So I ended up becoming student body president. Uh, after college, I joined the military, joined the Alabama Army National Guard, um, which is like part-time military service. And so they paid for my master's degree. 
um, which was, you know, amazing. And in 2012, uh, so, so the military was part-time, full-time I was working doing advocacy around education issues, trying to pass some state laws around education, which we succeeded in doing in Alabama, passing the Alabama School Choice and Opportunities Act of 2015. But in 2012, the military, we had more soldiers die from suicide than die in combat in Iraq and Afghanistan. So they trained officers like me to go to different units and become master resilience trainers. And we would teach soldiers how to become more mentally tough, mentally agile. So you fast forward again, when I got out of the military, I took that training and I, let me grab this right here. And I published, oh, this audio. So I, I published my book. I published my book, Rerouting, Resilience, Tools, and Tactics, where I took those military principles on resilience and mixed them with some really deep philosophical you know, ideas on being and purpose and ego and presence and made a book that the everyday young person, the college student, the high school student, the middle school student could use to become more resilient, could use to create a life of peace, love, and joy. And so I released that book in March of 2020. And since that time, I've sold 6,800 copies. It's become a best-selling book. And I travel back and forth across the country to do speaking and training on resilience. I've worked with, you know, Wake Forest University to high schools in Spanish Fork, Utah, all the way to the United, uh, partnering with the United Women of Singapore and their prime minister to do uh, an event uh, around helping males to become strong without being violent. And so I've really been blessed to be able to use my purpose and my gift to bring my message to the world, make good money doing it, provide a life for my family. Uh, you know, my gift is making room for me. And so I'm just so blessed to be in this position and, you know, I'm happy to be here. Man, that's so great, man. You have a great story and it's so funny. I've known you all this time and I never knew that your GPA was like that and you had to go back and no, nah, that's dope, man. I mean, that's what it's all about. Like readjusting, making those adjustments and shout out to for Lindsay L Mac for you know, telling you the truth, like he held you, like that was that part of that accountability. It wasn't a, you know, uh, it's uh, it's so it's okay, bro. Just get it up to the bare minimum, two five, and come back. Nah, he's like, nah, you ain't good enough. Period. So, um, so your story started out, and that's what I always wanted to ask you. I never asked you. Of course, I've known you for a while. I've never asked you. I never knew why what drew you to come down to Montgomery from Buffalo, but you just answered that. So they. Rejected you and it ended up being a blessing in disguise. What a story, man. That's a golly. I never knew that, man. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, is what I try to tell people when I'm and I try to be real transparent because I feel like a lot of people try to put on this front, like everything's all good. Their life is so perfect. They put it on social, they all their wins and stuff. And what happens is everyday people are comparing their behind the scenes to other people's highlight reel. Right. But we all have that behind the scenes, that struggle, that grind, those setbacks. I want people to know I have had a lot of setbacks. You know what I mean? Like I've had a lot of failures on this journey. But if you keep going, those failures actually launch you into a better space than you could have imagined. That's why you can't quit. That's why you can't give up because you don't know when the story is going to end or how the story is going to go. So you just got to keep going and like let the lessons build you uh, as like prerequisites to your success. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great, great. Let's talk about Duncan Kirkwood Consulting LLC. What products and services do you offer aside from speaking, public speaking, of course? Yeah, so I do community engagement work for some CDFIs. CDFIs are community um, community development financial institutions. So basically, the short way to think about it is a bank is what wants to give money to black businesses, right? So just say, you know, you in Montgomery. So let's say Regions Bank. Okay, Regions Bank wants to invest in 
you know, black businesses. But Regions Bank don't want to take on the risk, do the work. So what they'll do is they'll find a nonprofit called a CDFI, Community Development Financial Institution, and they'll give the nonprofit, let's say, $5 million and give it to them at 4% interest, right? Then that nonprofit will take that $5 million and give it to minority and women-owned businesses uh, at 8 or 9%. So the nonprofit is making the money, the bank is making money, and the bank gets to say they're investing in minority and women-owned businesses. They invested $5 million in minority and women-owned businesses, but they didn't take on the risk, right? But those CDFIs are largely run by people who are white, suburban, have no roots in our communities. So they contract with me to do the community engagement to get their services, their resources, their training, because they got great services, training, technical assistance, but they don't know how to get that to average everyday people who are starting a business or have a business going. So I'm like, my consultant firm kind of is the bridge to connect those nonprofit CDFIs to uh, actual, you know, minority and women-owned businesses that need those services. Wow. Talking about empowering our people and man that's that's so great because like you just said a lot of times these banks man they are very hesitant to give us and you know what i mean us blacks the money to start a business what's funny about that is they'll give us money to go out there self-destruct to get a car to you know take out a personal loan so i'm man I'm, i'm so glad that your consulting firm is the bridge between those big time banks and the minority businesses, because quite frankly, it's a lot of it's a lot of black people out there with some great ideas that just don't have the funding to get those ideas off the ground. So salute to you. And um, and, 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 and take this out, Doug. This is the, this is the crazy thing. <laughs> so my speaking, that's my passion. That's my like where my heart is. That's my purpose. The CDFI stuff is really just something I'm good at. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I only do it because they pay so much. And I'm good at it. So it's to me, it's light work. You know what I'm saying? But all of the skills to do that consulting work, I learned in college at Alabama State. So <laughs> let, me, let me give you an example. So it just say an organization, they want to get in the news. They want to get their organization, their event on the news. I charged them $1,500 to get them on the news. Mm-hmm. I learned how to get people on the news because I, I took beginning news writing. And introduce and uh, was an introduction to public relations at Alabama State. So because of that, I know how to get people on the news. So I char- I'm charging it fifteen hundred. It take me twenty minutes to write a press release, send it to my list. Boom, got them, got them some coverage. Uh, they pay me to get people to their events. So I got one company. They pay me seventy five hundred per event to get thirty minority businesses on a virtual Zoom call. Well, I learned how to do event promotions in my fraternity at Alabama State, passing out flyers, learning how to talk to people so that you can get them interested and excited to want to come to the event, then how to follow up and make a list and check in and make sure they show up and stuff. All that I learned in college doing it for free, just being involved. Now I'm getting paid. Like one of my contracts with the CDFI is for $45,000 for eight events throughout the year. You know what I mean? And also, I'm just all doing stuff I did in college for free. I just mastered it. And so now... I get the charge for it. So, you know, it's just interesting how life plays out. And that's some more gems, ladies and gentlemen. Like, literally, you just went through a complete full circle moment. Like like you said, everything that you're doing now, you learned this back back in school. And at the time, it may not have appeared it was going to pay off. But like you said, you just keep going. You never know what it's going to turn into. So, no, and and to piggyback on what you're talking about in terms of getting funding and being that guy, I distinctly remember – 
us having alpha balls and different events that you got us grants for. I mean, like, nah, man, like you true to this, man. Like you've been doing this. Like this ain't something you just popped up out of nowhere. Like you've been doing this. So I'm not surprised that you are tapped into that financial part of it as well, outside of the public speaking. Now that's great, man. For real. Great. Well, I appreciate that. But yeah. So for anybody listening, for your listeners, whatever you do, it's grants for that. So literally whatever you into it's grants for that. If you a barber and you want to have books in your barber shop, it's grants for that, right? That you could get a few thousand dollars to buy books to put in your barber shop for kids, for literacy and stuff. If you are a fraternity and you want to do events, it's grant for that. If you are, you know, just a regular husband and wife and you, y'all want to do a, you know, y'all want to train other couples to be successful in their marriage, it's grants for that. Like all you got to do is commit the time and just Google search. You watch a football, football, four hours. You're going to watch a four-hour football game. Then <laughs> some of that time while you're watching a game or on the commercials, search things that can benefit you. Type in, oh, listen, let me, here's the keyword. This is all you got to type in. Microgrants. <laughs> you type in microgrants for whatever you into. So if you into painting, microgrants for painting. Microgrants for painting. If you're into driving nice cars, microgrants for designing nice cars, whatever. And a micro grant is smaller, so it can go to a person. So a big grant got to go to a nonprofit, blah, blah, blah. And that's great. Those are important. Those are out there, too. But if you look for micro grants, those are like $5,000 or less. They will give those to a person to do one, two, or three things, like small stuff. They'll give you $1,000 for this, $5,000 $5, for this, $2,000 for that. And I know that because I've been doing it, like Doug said, since college. <laughs> like I, I, Once I found that out, I'll just be searching. I find different stuff. People be like, oh, yeah, well, we want your organization to spread awareness about mass incarceration. We'll give you $500. True. All we got to do is get some flyers, print them out, and give them out at our next event. We get $500 as an organization. That was crazy. you know. And so it's all types of opportunities out there. But you just got to make a decision in your life that I want more. I want better. And when you make that decision, then you take action to do more, find new opportunities because they exist. But you can't find them doing the same thing every day and being average. You got to go above and beyond. Good people, you just you just got some gems, and I'm pretty sure he he charges a hefty amount to consult with people and get a, he gave that information away from free. So go to Michael Grants. That's right. Whatever. I charge I charge I charge two fifty an hour for coaching. <laughs> respect, hey, respect, because no matter what the people, one thing about it and. I, re I respect you for putting your price out there and not being secretive about it because the thing is, people who are serious, they're going to invest in themselves. People who aren't, they're going to say, oh, man, why you charge so much? So now nah, keep your price at the appropriate price. That's all I say. <laughs> yeah, I had to learn that, Doug, man. And um, it's weird when you your own business owner and you set the price and it's not for a thing, right? It's easy to set a price for a book or a shirt or a you know, something that's tangible. If you sell cars, this is how much it costs. You know what I mean? It's, it's tangible. But when you're giving a service, you feel weird sometimes saying this, how much it costs. I'm going to charge you 250 an hour or whatever, because it's, it's intangible. But like, so I did a speaker train because everybody's like, Duncan, how do you become a speaker? I want to become a speaker. I want to become a speaker, right? MJ, uh, our frat brother, uh, Melvin Bridges in Atlanta, yeah. he said he wants, he's working on becoming a speaker, right? So he comes to my speaker train, my speaker training, I charge $500 a person. And I did a two day speaking training. So I got, I think 11 or 12 people on there. And we, I trained, I told them everything I knew. I gave them all the game on how to become a speaker. Now, some people saw that 500 is like, oh no, 500, <laughs> that's way too much. 
Other people said, you know what? I see you doing your thing. I want those same results. You going to teach me how to get them? I'll invest that. And now today, MJ is headed to Alabama State for his first paid gig after my training. And he got six more lined up over the next two months. Right. So if you're willing to, so you got to be willing as an entrepreneur, as a business owner to invest in yourself, just like if you work a job, you know, your company has sent you to these boring professional developments, these boring trainings. And you're like, oh, why do I got to go there? Well, when you, your own entrepreneur, you're your own business owner, you got to invest in yourself to go to trainings and go to workshops so you can learn and grow because it's so much you don't know. You might go to a training for two days and only learn one thing because I went, I paid 3000 to go to this Eric Thomas speaking training, right? Eric Thomas is like the best motivational speaker in the world right now. I mean, Tony Robbins is like human development. So he's way on a different level, but the best motivational speaker is Eric Thomas. I paid three G's to be in his speaker program. That's a lot. All right. Now I'm making a lot of money because I charge 3000 per (laughs) speech. I charge 3000 per speech, 45 minutes. I I charge 3000, right? But I pay still 3000 paying for training is a lot. They gave me a gym on the first day on accident because <laughs> everybody else was just kind of they going through all of the stuff they're asking questions and i'm just listening because i'm already a good speaker so i'm like oh let me find out and the lady just going on a rant said you got to find the pain point of your clients and that's how you get the bigger contracts so sure enough like a month later i was meeting with a school and i asked them what's your biggest pain point i never asked that question to a school and they started listing all their problems i said well you need me to speak more than once you need me to speak on this i need to do a training for your teachers i need to come back five times and they said oh yeah would you do that i said yes they said send us a proposal i sent them a proposal for fifteen thousand dollars for me to come eight times they said we can't aff- they came back said we can't afford that we could do ten thousand dollars for you to come five times i said bet <laughs> let's go <laughs> right and so wow. i would have never even knew i was just going in trying to get one gig but i ended up getting a ten thousand dollar contract that looks like it's going to repeat for next year too all because i got one nugget out of a three-month training you see what i'm saying but i had to make that investment in myself so whatever y'all do whatever you do don't be afraid to invest that money in yourself and your own growth because sometimes it's just one nugget but it ch- it's a game changer but sometimes it's you learn the whole thing. So, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I was just mentioned that, Doug, and I just want people <laughs> no. to understand, like, you got to, you know, when you your own brand, you got to take it serious. You got to give it everything, try everything, grind, work, you know what I mean? And and you'll get the results, though. So it's no question, will you get the results? If you plant enough seeds, harvest is coming. You, you know what I'm saying? But you got to be willing to do the work and plant the seeds until the soil over and over, even when it's cold, even when it's raining, so that when spring come, the harvest come, and now you can eat. And now I'm eating. There it is. I have nothing else to add, man. You just broke it down. And uh, good people, that's the power of investing. We're going to transition on to the to the next, next part of the podcast. Hey, great stuff. Let's talk about so whenever I have entrepreneurs on the platform like yourself, I like to talk about three things, the aha moment, action, and audacity. So you've already stated earlier that your aha moment was serving in the military in that time when you had a lot of soldiers who were unfortunately, you know, committing suicide. And that was when, that's, that's what sparked you to get into resilience training. And so you've already covered that. Let's get to, let's get to the action. How long from the time in the military did you actually, how long did it take you to actually start speaking for a living yeah thank you for that question doug so uh, when i got out of the military it was 2016 Mm -hmm. 
and I hadn't written a book. I knew I had this resilience training, but I didn't know what to do with it. I kind of thought about writing a book, but never got into it. Then in 2019, I ended up running for office and I had to quit my job. The, the, the company I was working for, great company, they were, they, the politics of the city was like, he, he can't run. We don't want him to run. So they was like, make him quit. Tell him he can't run and work there. So I had to choose either run for office or quit my job or stay in my job. So I talked to my wife and she was like, baby, we, I believe in you. Let's go for it. So I quit my job. You know what I mean? And so I ran for office and I lost. So after the election, I didn't have, this is still 2019. I didn't know what was next. I had no backup plan. I had no job, no backup plan. I didn't know what to do next. So I said, you know what? I got some time. I'm finally going to write this book. So I wrote the book on resilience through the end of 2019. And I plan to launch it in 2020. Right. And so I launched it in March of 2020. And I was doing like a, a gig here or there, maybe once maybe twice a month. Some would be a thousand dollars. Some would be free. Some would be you 200, you know, it would just range on what type of event I was selling books. I started learning how to sell the books in bulk to schools and colleges. All this is all 2020. And then I had this job. I had got a new job working uh, for this national organization called plus paid family leave for the United States. We're advocating to Congress to pass a paid family and medical leave policy. Great job. Virtual. I was making like 80,000 great folks there. And so in November of that year, I told my wife, I'm like, listen, I'm sneaking between Zoom calls at work, trying to do stuff for my speaking career, build my website, build my marketing materials, get video, cut, edit, cut it and edit video. So I have content to put out, you know, I'm sneaking between Zoom calls, trying to, you know, trying to do my, my, my passion, my, what I really want to do, or I got my camera off and I'm working on three screens or something. And so I told my wife, I got to quit my job if I'm ever going to see success. So my wife was like, well, don't quit now. It's November. Stay through the New Year's because, you know, we got Thanksgiving break. We got Christmas break. So you could get paid for like two and a half more months and only work for four more weeks. So I'm like, I bet. So I wait till the New Year and I put in my two weeks notice. They asked me for a month notice because they um, they they I was just so valuable. So they were like, can you stay a little longer? Help train (laughs) the next person. So I'm like, sure, no problem. So January, I gave my month notice. And then February uh, 14th of 2021, I quit my job so I could pursue speaking full time. Now, at that point, I only had like two paid gigs. Now, one of them was a three day training for some kids in this tech program on resilience. So they paid me it was, since it was three days. They paid me seventeen hundred. So that was enough to float me. You know what I'm saying? Where I didn't have to worry about money for the next month or so. So then the next month, I got like two more gigs, but they didn't have money, but they bought like 20 copies of the book. So that was like 300. And then the other one, I think it was like 400. So that gave me a little bit of, you know, money going. And then, but when I started, when I was doing it full time for the rest of February, I'm, I'm giving it everything I got every day, everything I got every day on in the first week of March, I'm giving it everything I got every day, second week of March, every, and I'm not really seeing the results yet. Right. And I, I told my wife, I'm like, I don't know, babe, you know, like I'm not even, people wasn't even responding to my emails. These colleges wasn't even hitting me back, you know, and I'm, I mean, I'm sending like 50 emails a day and I'm not even getting a response. And I'm like, I don't know, babe. And she's like, no, stick with it. It's COVID. They already had their graduation speakers since I started in February, March. So it's too, you know, just keep going. So I keep going. And then by the end of March, I start seeing a little uptick. So I got like three gigs in April. Then in May, I had like four gigs, you know, and I'm making like 800 a gig. Some was 1500, you know, it's ranging. Then in June, I hit like, I have found a couple companies and they booked me for multiple gigs. 
So then I was able to get a lot of content, a lot of videos, a lot of testimonies. So then June, July, I'm really sending it out with better stuff. So I've got better marketing stuff to send out because I got real testimonies, real video clips. And so then in August, I made 7,000 speaking. And then October, I made, no, so August, I made seven, September, I made 10, October, I made 12, November dropped a little, I made nine, December dropped a little, I made seven, and then January, I made seven again, and now for February, I got 20,000 booked, and in March, I got 19,000 booked, already contracts, money in, everything, and it's starting to make that upswing, and I'm seeing all of the fruits, the harvest is coming. And it's like, on a, you know how like God, they say, you know, the Bible say your cup will overflow, you know, your cup will runneth over, all of that. Sure. Man, for 2022, God told me, get a bucket. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> that is the level of blessings that I, me and my family is getting. I mean, I'm getting to the point where I'm, ha- and I wrote, I elevated my price now. So I charge 2,900 per, per gig. And so I'm having to turn down gigs that pay a thousand or twelve hundred because if I take that gig, because you know I'm from the hood, so it's hard to turn down thousand dollars. You know what I'm talking about? Like so I said, I need thousand dollars for 30 minutes of talking. You know, I'm with that, you know. But if I take that, I haven't to have to turn those down because if I take that, if somebody called me and say we want to give you forty four hundred to do two talks in one day, now I missed the bigger payday because I lowered my price chasing a couple of dollars. So right. I'm, I'm, that's the space I'm in and the season I'm in. And I'm just so grateful, um, but it's hard work. So if anybody interested, just know it's hard work. But when you find what you love, it don't feel like work. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's transition into the last portion, the audacity. It takes courage and audacity to step out there on your own. And it sounds like your wife was a big proponent of, she was a big part of giving you the audacity to step out there. Are there any other influences that it, Gave you the that gave you the courage to step out there and do what you're doing now. Me, Doug. Awesome. I deserve goodness. <laughs> I deserve to have a good life, right? Just because I'm from the hood, don't mean I'm supposed to struggle. Like I deserve greatness. I deserve to have a nice. I got a hot tub in my basement. You feel me? I'm living a different life than I grew up in. My parents gave me. Now they worked hard, and I love my mom and dad. But I want more. I deserve more. My kids deserve more. My wife deserves more. My motivation is I, I'm put myself. I'm I, y'all should see some of the emails I send. I, I'll be watching a football game and I'll see a commercial for from, you know, State Farm, you know, Jake from State Farm. And they keep doing all these commercials. I'm like, you know what? Let me email them. Oh, they got a grants department. They got a foundation. Wait a minute. I'm emailing a director. Hey, you know, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Sorry. It's my wife texting me. Um, no worries. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm emailing a director. I'm emailing, you know what I'm saying? Um, they staff, they outreach, they project manager. And I'm saying, hey, I'm Duncan. I'm trying to do this project. And people are like, man, you crazy. I'm e- and Because I'm emailing everybody, presidents of universities. I'm emailing president of the University of Alabama, president of the University of Texas, McDonald's. And guess what? McDonald's hit me back. And I actually did a partnership with them last year. They paid $10,000 for set for me to sponsor 700 copies of my book that I was able to do. And then, and, and also resilience talks I did for four, three high schools in Pennsylvania and one in West Virginia. So I got to partner with McDonald's because of my audacity to believe in myself. So I have, since I was, I can remember, I believe, since I met you since before then, Doug, <laughs> I have believed that I'm somebody, that I'm special, that I got value. Because if you don't believe it, y'all, nobody else will. So you have to believe in yourself. Like, 
you deserve this. You can do it. You're good enough. You're smart enough. And when you start to believe that, even if you don't even really believe it, if you make it look like you believe it, other people will start to believe it too. And they'll rock with you and doors are open. So you talk about audacity. My audacity is I am, I'm, I sent a copy of my book. Remember when Paul George had the mental, not, not mental issue, but like mental health issue right. during in yeah, the bubble, right? I sent Paul George a copy of my book. I hit him on Instagram and I'm like, yo, Paul George, I see you going through it, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm sending you a copy of this book on resilience and I hope it helps you in your journey. He ain't never got back to me. He ain't even say thank you, nothing. But I'm trying. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't afraid to try every avenue to get myself out there. And you'll be surprised when you do that, what comes back, what opportunities come back to you. So yeah, it's like 50 failures, but all I need is one. Every so often I get a one you know, somebody says, oh, yeah, I want to work with you. Oh, yeah, let's partner. Let's make that happen. So, you know, the audacity is you got to believe in yourself against all adversity. Everything in the world say I'm a black dude from the hood, dark skin, coming from a low income area, crime and violence. I'm not supposed to be nothing. I, I ain't never met no black author growing up. I ain't never met no black speaker growing up. Every, matter of fact, when I was in, high, in school, teachers used to chastise me and discipline me because I talked too much. Now my talking makes me make three times as much as those teachers. And so you just got to have the audacity to believe <laughs> yourself and your gift. You know what I mean? Man, you know what? You ain't never changed, man. You, you've always <laughs> been this guy. Like, and that's, that's what's so dope because you are, it's like you transitioning, like you've transitioned into a full-time entrepreneur, just being confident in yourself. And I know a lot of people, they, they, they misunderstand you as being arrogant. I always saw you as just a confident dude. Like he can go in any room. He can stand next to anybody. And like, that's commendable because we grow up a lot of times, man, we have these big dreams, big ideas as kids. And sadly, a lot of times our parents, uncles, elders, they shoot them down. But I never ever saw you waver. I never saw you hesitate in college. Like whenever it was time to speak at a forum or state of the address for the students. So like you've always had audacity. So I'm not surprised that you gave yourself the audacity to step out there. That's great. And I appreciate it. And then, you know, just being honest to you, Doug, a lot of that comes from uh, the support system around you too. So you know, I'm so fortunate to have my wife. Of course, I have my faith. And, you know, God always got my back, you know, even when I don't deserve it, even when I falter and everything. But I got my wife. I, but the, when I was in college and I was really forming who I was, it really was the fraternity. Right. When I'm saying I'm somebody, I'm special, I'm amazing, I believe in myself. Right. And people look at me like I'm crazy. It was my fraternity brothers in college that say, no, Duncan, keep going. Keep going. We got your back. You know, let's, oh yeah, we can do this event, Duncan. We're going to support you. Like, oh, you want to do this? Yeah, Duncan, we believe in you. And they would be putting me up for awards. Uh, they put me up for opportunities that I didn't even know about just on the strength that they believed in me. And so when you have a, a support system of people who believe in you, it makes it even easier to go forward. And so I stopped hanging around. Like after, you know, I stopped hanging around people who don't believe in me. Like if I, like to this day, I do not associate with people who are not moving forward in their life and pushing me to be better in my life. You know, people look at me, they're like, Duncan, you like a unicorn. You're doing great. You're making this. You're making this much money. Da, 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 da. Right. And, and that's cool. And that's all true. And I'm blessed and I'm grateful. But in my close knit circle, my two best friends, Vic and Steven, I make the least. I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. My best friend, Steven, just got a job at Google. 
right? He, he's he's starting the upper six figures. His salary, I ain't gonna put his business out, but he yeah, up there, don't do that, right? <laughs> but he up there, you know what I'm saying? And then Vic is a millionaire. My uh, my other best friend, Vic, is a, he, he he owns his own law firm in Birmingham. They make over a million dollars a year at his law firm. He the managing partner. And so I'm at the bottom of that totem pole, looking up at them, like, teach me how to do this. How do you invest? How do you build? Like we pushing each other. So it's important for y'all to get people like you can't be around hood people trying to bring you down. You can't be around ratchet people who all they talk about is mess and drama and gossip. Like I'm ratchet. So I'm, I ain't judging being ratchet, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm around people who is all about growth, all about joy, all about peace, all about, you know, supporting each other, believing in each other, no jealousy, no shade, putting each other on opportunities. Like somebody messing me, yo, Duncan, I just nominated you for an award. Or I message them, yo, I just sent you this client. Let me know if they hit you up. Like we always in constant, in constant collaboration because we believe in each other. You know what I mean? And what's better than building with people who you love and care about? And so it's important for y'all to build that circle. Even if that circle is just one person. If you only got one person in your life like that, rock with them all the time. Don't go with don't don't, don't go back with everybody else. Even if them other people is your cousins, your sisters, your brothers, whatever. If they dragging you down, if they not elevating you, do not spend your. You can love them from a distance. Like I love you from a distance. You know what I'm saying? But don't spend your energy with people that's gonna weigh you down. Spend your energy with people that's gonna lift you and push you. Like you ain't doing nothing all day. You, your your best friend should be like, you ain't doing nothing all day. <laughs> right. doing, they should be like, you ain't doing nothing at all. You ain't going to at least write an article, throw up some social content, like something. And like, you should have your friends should be like your accountability partners that push you. Y'all should be asking me if you got a friend and your friend ain't never asked you what you reading this year, what you reading this week, that person ain't pushing you. Right. Because right? when you get to a certain level, people should be, your friends should be saying, yo, I'm just, I just got this book. I'm reading it, blah, 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 blah. Or I am oh, you should check this out. I just heard about this. Or, hey, let's read this book together. Like that's when you start going to the next level, but you got to invest in those friendships and relationships not just the people who want to turn up and club every weekend like they celebrating something and they ain't got nothing they struggling all week just to celebrate on friday for no reason and i'm not knocking that because i use i love turning up i love the right no same but, here you know what i'm saying but at the same time it's i, I yeah I, I turn up is fun but i'd much rather go get on a plane and fly to la to speak to a school or fly down to houston to go to the, you know, speak at a college there or, or go to Singapore, because that's where I'm speaking at uh, next month. Well, in March, I'm going to speak at a college in Singapore. Like, I would much rather do that than like be partying Friday night, partying Saturday night, partying Sunday night. All right, now let's get started. Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm trying to win on Friday night. I'm trying to win on Saturday night. I'm trying to win on Sunday night. You know what I'm saying? Like, I already got my plan. I'm about to watch the football. There's two football games today. So <laughs> I'm going to have my fun. I'm going to play my game, chill out, relax in the morning. Then when the football game starts, since I'm going to be watching that for eight hours because it's two games, mm -hmm. that's when I'm going to get all my work done. I'm a, I'm a, I am got to start my next book. I got to write an article. I got to cut some social media content. All of that, I'm going to do it during that eight-hour span because I want to win today. I want to win for my company, for my dream, for my family. No, nah, and that's and that's great. And you should want to win. You, wanna, you should want to win for your last name. You should want to continue to build on that legacy and – continue to rock and roll and do great things. And I want to piggyback on something that you were just talking about in terms of uh, being around people that, that push you to get to the next level. And I want to, and I want to go back there because I don't want nobody, I don't want anybody listening to think he's saying, Oh, everybody has to, everybody has to step out there and uh, pursue their dreams, quit their job. No, basically get around people that are going to, push you to become a better version of yourself because 
quite frankly, whether people want to admit it or not, most people are not happy where they are and they around people that are not holding them accountable. So now I just wanted to double down on what you were just saying about accountability and your circle of friends, man. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with hanging out, partying. It's a time and place for it. We've all been there. We, we was in college. And even if you didn't go to college, you had a period in time where you was out there doing your thing, but when do it stop? Like when, like, what do we celebrate? <laughs> at, like, don't get me wrong at first in your 20, I guess, in your early 20s, we're all celebrating the fact that, oh, we out of our parents' pockets and we can go out and have a good time. But, okay, how long do we celebrate that? So I just wanted to double down on what you were talking about with the accountability and the association because both of those two both those two things are everything. Yeah, can I just say something real quick, Doug, about yes, people sir, go for it. quitting your job? And, and there's like this debate. Like some people who work a nine-to-five feel like entrepreneurs who quit their job is like looking down on them and vice versa. People who got a nine to five making good money. Some people, entrepreneurs feel like they looking down at them because they trying to be an entrepreneur, but it ain't quite working. Like, listen, y'all, you do what make you happy. My wife has a nine to five. She's a social worker. That's her joy. That's her passion is to help families and to help people who are struggling at certain times in their life. So she run a center, but our goal for her isn't quit your job. Our goal for her is elevate in your company and continue to take on more responsibility and be, you know what I mean? Because that's her purpose. That's her joy. So it's not about one is right or the other is right. You got to figure out for you, what is going to make you happy? What is your purpose? What do you do that brings you joy? What would you do if money wasn't an issue? Like, what is that thing for you? And then find a way for that to be your livelihood. So your career. So that might be nine to five. It might be full-time entrepreneur. It might be half and half. It could be a, it could look different for different. It could be the military, right? You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it looked different for different people. But if you're not like to Doug's point, if you're not happy, like if you're not getting joy out of what you're doing every day, that's a third of your life. Listen, you spend one third of your life asleep, another third of your life at work. And in another third of your life with friends, family, leisure time. And of that third, you really spend a half on social media. But anyway, so, you're right. <laughs> so that third that you spend in that work, you should have some joy there. You, you, you get the, the understand that like you should that third that you spend at work, whatever that thing is, you should have some joy. And if you don't have joy, you should be planning an exit strategy for how you can find something that brings you joy, but it's going to make you money too. And those things exist. Listen, I was on Snapchat the other day. And they got this thing called the World Tag Chase League. The game tag, freeze tag, that you, you know, tag, you tag people when you was a little kid. Yep. It's people who have made that a worldwide sport. And they get paid over six figures as their full-time job to go play tag. And they got teams in different countries. And all they do is practice all year, uh, you know, all year to go to these tournaments where they are these tag tournaments. That's a full-time job. Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because I want you to understand that the rules ain't the same. They used to be when I was younger, you got to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher. You know, it was kind of these set. This is how you be successful. And we need great lawyers. We need great doctors. And we dang sure need amazing teachers. Okay, so I'm not knocking that. But I'm also saying now you don't have to fit into that box or wait 10 years to be successful or to find something you have joy in. You can do it now, whether it's tag, whether it's making clothes, doing hair, whether it's making social media content, whether it's speaking like me, whether it's singing, you love to write poetry. You could, I, you could write a book of poetry right now, self-publish it on Amazon and start selling it with no physical product. You don't have to invest no money and you making money. 
just by promoting your book on Amazon. Then you get some money, you buy some author copies for $2 and sell them for $20 and make $18 a book from your book of poetry right now. You don't got to wait 10 years for that, right? And so what I'm saying is like, as whatever brings you joy, do that thing. Like life is too short. If COVID didn't show us nothing else, it showed us that like life is too short to be taking it for granted, to be focused on stuff that's not important because when that health deteriorates or when you lose somebody you love, everything stops. So, so let's enjoy the moments that we have and spend that, that third of your life that you're going to do working on something that brings you joy. And again, that can look different for different people. Yes, sir. Bars. Let's transition into vision. Sounds like you've already done some great things since you got your consulting firm off the ground. I want to talk about vision in terms of what's coming down the pipeline that you can speak of. What are the, what are the long-term, what are your short-term goals and long-term goals for your consulting firm? Yeah. So the consulting firm, I mean, yeah, it's you. So I'm being real. That's just, that's just the money. That's just like a money engine for me. Like, so I'm hiring, I'm hiring interns, I'm hiring staff to run that. I want to go get the contracts and then they do the work because I want to spend a hundred percent of my time worrying about speaking. And so my long-term goal as a speaker, I got another book in my head right now that I haven't started writing yet. I have to get to, I want to get it done by the end of February because I had a school that's already asking me, they want 400 copies of the next book that I'm writing, but I got to finish it and publish it <laughs> so I can get it to them, right? And so um, I got to write this next book. Then I want to take the one book I've already written and transcribe it for middle school students, for high school students, for elementary school students. So I want to do those other three books. But that's really just tweaking the the current book I already published. Um, So I want to do those things. And I want to start doing longer term programs with colleges uh, around helping build students mental health and resilience so they can improve college retention and graduation rates. So that's kind of my 2022 vision is I want by the end of the year, I've got like 10 programs running at 10 different colleges across the country that is going to build student retention and student resilience. And so um, that's, you know, that's what I'm looking for uh, for this year. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Great things coming down the pipeline. And I definitely know everything that you have set, all them goals you have set, I know you're going to crush them. I appreciate that, man. Yes, sir. As we wrap up the podcast, man, I want to transition into the million dollar question. I started this podcast to shed light on Montgomery. I wanted to highlight the people who are either from here or once lived here. And um, yeah, let's talk about the impact the Gump has had on you, your ever overall evolution as a man, father, entrepreneur, husband. Like what? Yeah, let's talk about the, the Gump, the Gump yeah. impact on you. Yeah, it had a, a huge impact on me moving to Montgomery. Huge huge impact. Um, If I had stayed in Buffalo and went to like a community college here or took a gap year or something, I would not have become the person I am today. Um, There's so much crime and violence here in Buffalo. There's such a crab in a barrel mentality here um, that I don't think I would have been able to grow like I did by going to Montgomery, having to meet, because I would have stayed with the same hood friends I grew up with. But because I went to Montgomery, I got to meet new people I never would have met, go to conferences, experience things. So I got to, you know, I was still in college and I'm, you could still Google this. I, I sued the city of Montgomery in partnership with city councilwoman Janet May, Joe Reed, and some other community leaders. So I got like to learn about activism, learn about finding my voice. Of course, going to Dr. King's uh, Parsonage and the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. Like in Montgomery, civil rights is part of 
the culture. So as me as a young impressionable college student, I, I just owned that that impression. So anytime there was activism to, to be done, anytime there was a fight to be fought, I felt responsible to be a part of it and use my voice to try to you know stand up for those who can't speak for themselves. But I learned that by being at Alabama State. It's like funny now, you know, people do all of this pro by like being pro black is cool now, right? <laughs> so like we'll be at a, we'll be at an event or something, and we'll they'll start off by singing "Lift Every Voice and Sing." And they got like, they got it on the program. They got the words <laughs> on the program. And I'm looking around at these elect black elected officials, the mayor or the state legislator. So and I'm looking, they, they reading to lift every voice and sing. I'm like, how y'all supposed to be pro-black? But in Montgomery, they start all the events with lift every voice and sing. They start with a prayer. It's like a whole different world. And I'm so grateful to have been able to, to go there. I mean, the barber shops there, the, the conversations we were having the barber shops. The conversations we would have on campus, the great people I got to meet in Montgomery, the community leaders, the, I, it was like, you know, I was, one of the things I was advocating for was to pass this education law in Alabama. <laughs> and so we, you know, it was this charter school law. So Alabama could have charter schools and the teachers union was like against it. They're like, we hate charter schools. We don't want no parents to have choices, right? That type of thing, right? And so, but the teachers union in Alabama is black, right? Cause it's all these HBCUs. So all the, the majority of the teachers are black teachers. The teachers union leadership are black. So I'm fighting against somebody's aunt. <laughs> I'm fighting against you know, respected <laughs> leaders in the community saying, no, teacher, no, charter, they don't, because they don't know better. You know, they don't know what charter schools are. They're just getting information from the teachers union. So they like, no, we got to stop the charter schools. We got to stop this. They're going to hurt public schools and all of this stuff. But these are black people. So I've got to like stand up against re well-respected, really well-educated black people, community leaders, staples in the community in Montgomery to advocate for this policy. Uh, ultimately it passed and some of those same leaders are was calling me the next month talking about Duncan can you help me open a charter school in my district that's a different conversation but now when I come to Buffalo <laughs> I come back home the teacher union is white we got 80 percent of the kids are black or Hispanic but 90 percent of the teachers are white so now the teachers union leadership is like white suburban they don't live in the city they don't they don't they don't know our kids for it's a whole thing so they like trying to get tough with me, like, oh, Duck is this. And I'm like laughing at them. I'm like, I done been through the storm down in Montgomery, like the Alabama Education Association. I done, I took arrows. I've been taking shots from them. So you think y'all, y'all got nothing to threaten me with, you know? And so it really like opened my eyes to so much, you know, being there. I got to work with Mayor Strange. I got to meet Mayor Reed when he was, I think he was a probate judge. I got to meet him a couple of times and and talk with him now he's the mayor there um tracy larkin was the first adult outside of my family to be a mentor to me uh, he, he's passed now he was a former city council member for district three in montgomery and he was the first i'm talking about the first adult in montgomery to look at me and say wow you got something special in you young man and so when i graduated he created a partnership with the city council district and uh, Alabama State University to hire me as a paid intern. I called it the chief of staff because, you know, I just like that title. But really, I was just a paid intern, the first one that the Montgomery City Council had ever had. And so I got to write laws. I got to write city laws and go to city council meetings and try to get them to vote for different policies and get him on the news. Like, I got to learn so much from his mentorship and then the freedom he gave me to go like create and do good work in the city. Matter of fact, we, I, you know, it was my idea to work with him to rename, well, 
there were people in the community who wanted to do it, but I helped do a research and the effort and the paperwork so we could rename some of those uh, streets in Montgomery. We had like West Dixie Drive and East Dixie Lane. We right. renamed those to like Claudette Colvin Lane and Claudette Colvin Drive and so after some other you know leaders. And so that was Tracy Larkin mentoring me and letting me like do the work on stuff. So he really showed me what politics could be what a, a statesman and an elected official could be without the special interest and the drama and the BS, but actually trying to do good for people that they serve. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm eternally grateful, you know, for that experience as well as, you know, all the other great people I met in Montgomery. Powerful stuff. <clears throat> so how can the people connect with you? What are your social media handles, Facebook, IG, and your website? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so my website is my name, DuncanKirkwood.com. Uh, my Instagram is at Duncan Kirkwood. Twitter is at Duncan Kirkwood. Uh, my TikTok is Duncan E. Kirkwood Speaks. Um, LinkedIn is Duncan Kirkwood. Please add me. Uh, follow my journey. I post lots of content on inspiration, motivation. Uh, we give students sometimes a platform to share their concerns. Um, I do giveaways a lot. So I hope that you all will, like I said, follow me on social at Duncan. Basically, if you type in Duncan Kirkwood, I'm the person to come up on every social network. So, um, you know, please, again, follow me and connect as we go forward. And if I can ever work with you or, or your group, you know, please just hit me on my website, DuncanKirkwood.com. Good stuff. And of course, I'll put all of this in the description of the episode. Hey, Duncan, thanks again for taking time to chop it up with me. This was a valuable conversation. I appreciate you, bro. Man, thank you for having me. Keep doing great work and giving a platform to, you know, people doing good things. We need more of it. It's so many podcasts, radio shows, talk shows where they just hate. It's like Dave Chappelle's <laughs> episode, The Player Haters in History, where they just get on and start hating on everybody, hating on everything, right? So it's dope that you're taking the time to like recognize, you know, people who are doing good and the great uh, things that are coming out of Montgomery. Uh, we need more of that. So keep it up, Doug. Appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it. Good people. That concludes another dope episode of the Gumtown Podcast. We gone, but before we leave, remember, be blessed, be safe, but most importantly, have the audacity to be you. Gone. Thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate your time and your attention. Until next time.